all, all it's going to take at one of those things is for someone to lose their lose their nerve or someone to have an emotional miscalculation and then things and as I mean as, as soon as bloodshed I mean not only like in the best of times like the, the Chechens the majority so they're going to ignore us despite all the, the brotherhood stuff but be I mean who we there's no way that we, we we all know we all have relatives and we know all know people in Chechnya there's no way we want to live under that and so once once you hit that level where there there's there would be open armed conflict I mean this is all still really speculatory but I, I think it think things could things could go a lot faster than anyone thinks. Howdy folks, welcome back for another episode of The Russia Guy. I'm your host, Kevin Rothrock, and today the show welcomes back Neil Hauer, a security analyst focused on Russia, the North Caucasus, and Syria. Neil was recently in Ingushetia, and he witnessed some of the protests against a controversial agreement to hand over nearly a tenth of the republic to Chechnya. So what did we talk about in this interview? Neil gave some background on Ingushetia's territorial losses over the past century, half century, explaining why the agreement with Chechnya today has touched such a nerve. He also explained how Wildman Chechen ruler Ramzan Kadyrov fits into all this and talked about what this means for the entire region. And of course, he shared some observations from on the ground, having visited the epicenter of what was probably Russia's most surprising, if underreported, protest movement in the past six or more years. That and more in the interview. Now, here it is. And so, how recently were you there? I was there, I came back in the middle of, I think it was October 16th I got back. So, pretty recently, I was I was there for six, six nights from um, the, I, I guess I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't in Magas it, itself, because Magas is like, Magas is tiny, there's like, like a few thousand people, it's just this sort of pur- purpose-built uh, administrative um, kvartal. And so, I, I was in Nazran, the capital of Ingushetia, where... It's something like a third of the population of the republic, like 130,000 people live there. So that's uh, – and it's, it's like three kilometers away. It is a tiny place in Gushetia, really. And you were there for the kind of the beginning of the protest or the height? I don't know. How would you describe the period that you were there for relative to the protests happening? Yeah, I would say actually uh, – I would say sort of pretty not, – not quite the height because I wasn't there on the, the, the biggest day. But I was there for – I mean the meat of it. I, uh, because it, it went on, it went on for for two weeks, uh, almost exactly. I was there for uh, yeah, six days of that. And I was actually I was I was planning to go there. The, the first day that it ended up breaking out was the day that I had planned to go there. And as I, I was in Vladikavkaz, I was already on a, a planned North Caucasus trip. And then uh, yeah, I was looking into it. I was talking to some of my English friends and reading my social media. And the English friends I already had are all posting about uh, yeah, the huge protest breaking out. And that and that's when security forces were shooting in the air in the first day. And I thought maybe. Maybe leave this for a second, and see 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 how it plays out. Then I so I went to to Grozny instead. You, you know the cl- classic thing. Like I want to go somewhere calmer and more normal, so I go to Chechnya. <laughs> and so yeah, I, I went there, and uh, yeah, of course. I don't know how I don't know how this is becoming a, like a tradition for me, but I ended up there for the second straight year on Ramzan's birthday, which of course coincidentally falls on the same day as Grozny City Day. And this year it was two hundred, so they were having a a big. Big celebration there. Yeah, Floyd Mayweather was there. You know, it was a real thing. And when you got to the area of the protests, 
in Nazran or in Magas or wherever, did your did your mobile internet crap out like they say it was doing for everybody? Or yeah, I'd actually uh, I, I had lost my my phone at that point, so I wasn't I didn't have mobile. Okay. Anyways, but <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, everyone was saying that the networks were down. I, I used, was able to use it um, one day, at least in a cafe in Magas. But then the other the other day when I was in, I was in there like two days after that and it wasn't working. And they're like, yeah, this is just what's happening. Maybe you, this isn't something you've looked at carefully, but do you know much about the actual borderland exchange deal that sort of sparked all this? And I was wondering if you could kind of summarize it, you know, real briefly, if you could kind of give... A summary of why you think it actually matters to people in Ingushetia, for instance, like what was so important about this deal? Right. Yeah. So the the, the sort of the, the two main things that were important about this deal was one that one that it was it was secret. It was signed secretly, and no one no one had ever discussed it or anything beforehand. And then all of a sudden, it, it emerges that Yvkurov, the head of Ingushetia, had signed the deal, and pe- people kept emphasizing that theme that it was the fact that it just was presented to them without any further any discussion beforehand and then the second one the reason it was so emotional was because uh because of the pre-gorodny conflict in west of ingushetia where basically when ingushetia was uh was liquidated in 1944 when they were all deported by stalin and the the republic the chechen english republic was disbanded then when they restored it in 1957 and people came back there is part of it in the western, which just forms about 20% of modern-day Ingushetia in the western part that they had given to North Ossetia, and they didn't attach that back to Ingushetia. And so the English were upset about this throughout the whole Soviet period. And then in 1992, they decided to, in 1991, they decided to stay inside of uh, Russia and not declare independence along with Chechnya because they, they thought we want to, they wanted to show that they're loyal to the to Russia and hopefully get support. And it didn't work out, and they ended up having uh, a week of full-on clashes with a couple hundred killed from both sides between Ossetian and English militias. And about 50,000 people were displaced from that, and it's still something that they talk about uh, just constantly. I mean, when I, after my first visit to Ingushetia uh, a year ago, and after making a bunch of English friends then, just I mean, still, uh, like every week uh, you still see posts about uh, pre-Gorodny conflict and people displaced from that and how the, the houses were burned and everything so that that's what made it so emotional for them when they i mean with with, with the entirety of chechen chechen checheno ingush uh, uh, assr when it was dissolved i mean they brought in stalin brought in other people to settle in different areas but then they all went back in those different areas the only places they didn't do it were actually in um in the small part east of chechnya near hasavir and dagestan which is called Alch District, where they're still living there, and that that's that's a big problem. That's another thing that's going to come into play probably. But and then the the, the big part was in Prigorodny region, where the the some English went back still, but there was still a lot of of um, Ossetians living there, and the land remained within um, North Ossetia. And then when they were when they had they broke out into these clashes, uh, a bunch of Russian soldiers. Who knows? Who knows? In that sort of envi- chaotic environment, if the orders are from the top or whatnot, but Rus- local Russian soldiers were fighting alongside the Ossetian militias. Is there like an ethnic component there, where where ethnic Russians feel more kind of aligned to the Ossetians as opposed to the English and so on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's because the the, the, the Ossetians are they're actually a real mix of things religiously, but the majority is Christian, and so they they always had the preferential treatment from the from czarist times onwards. And why does, I mean, maybe it's obvious just because Kadyrov has such a special sort of place in Russian politics, but how, how is it that 
by siding with Russia in 92, Ingushetia seems to have gotten the short end of the stick, right? I mean, like, how, why, isn't, why isn't Ingushetia getting chunks of Chechnya in, in sort of return for its loyalty in the 90s? Is it, and instead, here we are, fast forward so many decades, and you know, a tenth of the, the, the a tenth of the republic is apparently have just been you know signed away to Chechnya, right? That's what that's that's what this current deal is. I guess like they're saying it's as much as ten percent or almost ten percent of Ingushetia is turned over to Chechnya, but through this this sort of secret deal, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so why 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 is Ingushetia getting kind of screwed over, even though they're the ones that. Never seceded. I mean, ultimately, is because you know Ramzan. The Ram, Ramzan has there's there's essentially no way to, to stop him from doing these things without uh, without a huge personal pressure, basically from Putin himself. So the and in terms of controlling Chechnya's Ramzan's behavior, it's really I mean that there, there's not many signs of Russia doing that. Let's say in the past like five ten years, they're one of one of the only times where people think it, it really did happen was when these the stories about the gay purges broke out uh, early last year. And then, the, you know, the, the stories that stopped coming out and people th- the, the people suppose that, you know, from Putin himself, because no one else in, in really, it, no one aside from Putin and Surkov and small handful of others in Moscow like Kadyrov. So people, people, people uh, surmise that it was pressure from the very top that made Ramzan do that and stop bringing all the negative attention. But in terms of this, I mean, there's been, this is one of the, the, the crazy things is that there has been almost no Kremlin comment whatsoever there was um, the the Kremlin, uh, the, the Kremlin special envoy for the North Caucasus, Matt Matovnikov, or I think something like that. His name is who was present at the the signing of the the agreement on September twenty sixth between Kadyrov and Yevkurov to hand over this land. He was there, but I mean, the only comment that the Kremlin has made in this entire situation to date was Putin said that he told Yevkurov you shouldn't dis- that you should use democracy and you shouldn't disperse the protests with force and. There's been no comment whatsoever to Kadyrov or to any, any other part of this, and I mean, I mean, I think this is going to be a big mistake. I think because you, you let you let him get away with this once, and he's already showing signs he wants to do it now in Dagestan too. And I mean, he's, he's if, if you have a guy who just who's never heard no and who who thinks of himself as this absolute ruler and is used to that, then he's just going to escalate and escalate and. Yeah, who knows where it's going to stop? Do you think that that Kadyrov like simply? I mean, the, the Kremlin obviously knew this was coming, right? They had an envoy present at the negotiations, and this is something that even Kadyrov would presumably run by or at least notify the Kremlin when it's happening, right? And so, I mean, obviously, I'm asking you to speculate here, but do you think that the Kremlin just doesn't know what else to do, or did they sort of underestimate or miscalculate what they thought the reaction would be in Ingushetia? I mean, I don't think anyone expected the reaction in Gushetia. Certainly, Kadyrov didn't expect it because he said right early on, he said that he's amazed with uh, Yevkurov's uh, patience with such people and that if it, it, he's, all these people were causing provocations for them, you know, they'll have to answer for it. And then it, he kept getting more and more agitated by this. And then eventually he said in, in uh, the Chechen parliament, which is where you see Ramzan sort of at his cleanest his, his most most Ramzan when he's speaking in Chechen to his own people at the the, at the parliament, he said, "If any of these people, if you, they call themselves real men, why they come to come to my land and try and have just one protest here? And if you leave alive, then I'm not the kind of guy that you say I am." And uh, yeah, so he he was very upset about that. With, with the, the Kremlin itself, I mean, 
I think it's just more so that the Kremlin doesn't care that it then it signed off on any of this. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't know really ahead of time that this was even happening because Putin, because uh, Ramzan, I, I think I, my, my honest impression of Ramzan is he tells them, he doesn't really tell, tell them anything. I, I don't think he's explicitly called, I don't think he had a message sent to Putin saying, hey, I'm going to do this. Are you cool with it? I think he just did it. And uh, I think, yeah, if, if anything, the, the Kremlin, this is sort of this, this sort of reflects like this broader trend that's happening with the North Caucasus over the last 10, 15 years, really the whole post-Soviet period, like as the ethnic Russian population has left these areas, then they become more, then they become less important to the center so long as there's not just active warfare there. And I mean, that's the entire, the entire point of Ramzan, is Ramzan's allowed to do whatever he wants in Chechnya so long as there's no war there and it's not a problem outside of Chechnya's borders. But this is becoming a problem outside of Chechnya's borders now, right? I mean, it's happening in, in Gushedia. What can you say about these these visits that he made with like these enormous motorcades of armed dudes? What's going on there? I, know he, 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 I think he went into Gushedia more than once, did he not? And he had these meetings or he had kind of face-to-face semi-confrontational tea gatherings or something like what what was going on there yeah so he did this he's these have happened three times twice it was him himself there the first time it was him himself second time he sent uh, magomed daudov his third in command and then the third time it was him daudov and the number two guy dylan Khanov. all three of them came and yeah each time he showed up to uh, the house of an elder who had made uh, disparaging comments about him like one guy called him a pastuch shepherd another guy said something uh Sounds something of a similar nature, and so each time he showed up at a different place in Ingushetia, and essentially, the two times he was by himself, he, he demanded apology. When it was just the second time, when it was just Daudov, Daudov said, told the, the guy, he said, "You have to come to Sharia Court in Grozny," which is, I mean, absurd in itself that he's got this Republican raw in Russia where they're talking about having Sharia Court, which is a, an official thing there, which is banned under the Constitution of the Federation, but say say La Chechnya. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, the, the purpose of each of these is because Ramzan he, he is so unused to people. He, he, for for him, I think he truly is amazed that people would act this way towards him. Because anyone says any anything that says any anything even close to this in, in Chechnya, you know, that's it. They're, they never see them again. And especially with uh, the Ingush, I mean, the Ingush have sort of this reputation, or at least like the, this image of being like a more like a quieter, like le- like more passive or obedient people than the Chechens because they're, I mean, they're, they're so close, closely linked culturally, linguistically. I mean, the languages are almost mutually, they're basically mutually intelligible for the most part. And, uh, but the, I mean, the Chechens are always fighting and the, the English never are. And so a lot of, a lot of Chechens, I think, have this idea, or at least some of them, some of the, the more, some of the people who are more in Kadyrov's ilk have this idea of the, the English are like passive people who will just, um, who will just flop over to this sort of stuff. And, well, definitely what Ramzad didn't realize is that despite the fact that, uh, yeah, that, that, that they are, as English themselves told me a few times, like, like we, just, we were just always more inward looking people, whereas the Chechens were, they were always, they, they were always like more visible in uh, in wider North Caucasus affair. We were always focused on our, our own issues. And be, because of that, they have this, this sort of idea that they thought that the English would, would roll over to it, but English idea, the, the civil society actually is extremely well developed, and now it's only it's only more so as it, it showed that in the last in the last month and a half here, and now I mean there's there's been so many new initiatives that have come out and media outlets and so much more awareness, 
in terms of even I, I've seen video messages coming around from Ingush, not only in different places in Russia, but like Ingush in, in Germany or in Great Britain or in, in, even in, just in Barcelona in Spain, there was a video of Ingush expressing their support for the, the, the protesters against this opposition, like the five Ingush guys they found in Barcelona rounded up. And so, so yeah, for for all of this, I mean, Ingushetia, it's a it, modern Ingushetia has really it's developed in a very different way from from Chechnya, and that's really become apparent in the last few the last few weeks here. And so, what were some of the things you saw when you were there? Like, you know, I've I've seen some videos and read some descriptions of the protests there, but are there any kind of anecdotes that stand out to you as embodying the? uniqueness of these these demonstrations yeah i mean the the way that the way that it ended up coming together there was really i mean it was it was, it was honestly very impressive in the way that it was this it was, it was a activity that was completely un, unsanctioned and unplanned earlier and the, the so i mean it, it, it involved all sec, all segments of society like uh, across the religious divide where in Kushetia, I mean, they're, they're all in, in Gushetia is the, the I think it's the most ethnically homogenous region of Russia, even more so than than Chechnya. But I mean, there is a there's a big religious divide there in terms of Suf, uh, Salafi preachers or Salaf, Salafism is, is very popular. And there there was there was Salafists who were present at these, and even uh, even even some of the Salafist famous the well known Salafist preachers there came on initially against it, it ended up going back and saying, well, it's it's okay if. If you go to these rallies, normally you shouldn't go to rallies at all because Salafism is all about this uh, this recusing yourself from the, the the modern world and not not being political in these sorts of ways. And but they ended up they ended up endorsing them or at least allowing their followers to do it. And I mean, there was a huge spread across the the generation gap as well in terms of a lot of people are saying that the, 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 there's a lot of the, the younger generation, especially the teenagers and twenty somethings, were saying, you know, like our our fathers, grandfather generation. They, they they fought in or they 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 went out and demonstrated and acted in 1992 and tried to stop this from happening to republic and they they didn't succeed but we we, we want to succeed this time and we can't let that happen again to Ingushetia. and there was a and i mean despite the fact that the the elders were were given a a very respected place in this movement here the, it was very much led by the youth, but I, the, I mean, the, the most the most surprising thing for me was definitely just seeing the security forces essentially being involved in it, where the, where the security forces. I mean, I was there on the, on a Friday, and there they were all the security forces lined up in, in the, the prayers in the middle of the demonstration, and we're all performing prayers alongside them. And I mean, there's there's this the story that keeps going around too about how the there was one day. Early on in the protests, when uh, some security forces arrived from neighboring republics and tried to enter to break it up, and the Ingush Oman didn't allow them in, and I mean that's pretty un unprecedented as, as far as I'm aware. And is that do you think that that is evidence of sort of ethnic solidarity here, or was there an order on high from within the Ingush police bureaucracy saying, you know, hands off and don't let anybody else come here? Like, what would you do? You have any sense of you know what this is? what this says about the protest, whether it's sort of a, a kind of grassroots or if it's if it was a sort of coordinated effort to avoid clashes where the initiative came from somewhere in officialdom. I, th I think it's, it's definitely grassroots. I mean, the, the only the only time when the um, firearms were used in this was the first day when Yevkurov's personal security detail fired into the air after he came out on the street and uh, someone threw a bottle at him. 
Uh, aside from that, I mean, the authorities, they've been trying like all these softer methods to disrupt these things in terms of well, the, the internet. And then, um, then now, now people are, there, there's harder measures in terms of people. Some people are getting fined and some people are having, uh, are having problems with their, their, their work, people who are involved with these, um, with these protests here. But certainly the authorities didn't – the English authorities were not very pleased with this happening. I mean they tried to go around and with, with – the, they weren't very pleased with the protests happening. They tried to go around and have these um, – after the protests came to their their sanctioned end where they, they were stopped allowed to be – to being to, – to the, 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 their term they were allowed to be demonstrating in Magas came to an end. They had these – these different um, gatherings. I'm not sure quite how the, the Russian translates. Chod. Different public demonstrate, different public gatherings in different um, uh, villages and towns in Ingushetia, where the authorities got together and tried to gather people and try to explain to them why this happened and why it was cool. And people really were not a fan of that either. But I mean, in, in terms of the security forces, I mean, I definitely think it was the sort of thing where people. People really – in terms of – this has really become a thing where it's become more out of the open where people – one of the, the – in terms of the, the divide between Ingushetia and Chechnya and the people keep saying, oh, Vinok, like one people like, – like two English Chechens, one pe two, two nations, one people, both uh, Vinok and, and they were brothers and everything. But at the same time, I mean there's been uh, a lot of Chech – a lot of English have been saying like – uh, about Kadyrov personally, essentially, that you can have whatever you want over there in, in Chechnya, but here, no matter how bad, and this is this is a, a refrain that you would hear beforehand across the North Caucasus, is like, yeah, okay, maybe we have problems here in Dagestan, in Gushetia, in Kabardino Balkaria, but at least we don't, at least we can like say 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 what we think about the leadership. At least we aren't in Chechnya. And this has definitely become something that the, the people have been saying there, and that there's there's been this this idea thrown around too that. Um, within a couple of years, uh, that uh, the Ingushetia and Chechnya will be together under one Vinok Republic, and so many people there in, Ingu in Ingushetia, this 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 came out as a rumor, and everyone's saying, "Good Lord, we don't want that," because not only like in the best of times, like the, the Chechens are majority, so they're going to ignore us, despite all the, the brotherhood stuff. But B, I mean, who? We, there's no way that we 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 all know we all have relatives, and we know all know people in Chechnya. There's no way we want to live under that. Do you think that? Uh that what's happened is is somebody screwed up, or did did is Kadyrov going to get his way? And it, this was not a screw up. This is just the cost of doing business right now. Uh, a, a screw up in, in in what sense? Well, like if if this was this is the from what I gather from what you said, you seem to, you think that this was all kind of engineered by Kadyrov's people, and this is part of his sort of longer term expansionist sort of motif, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, is he going to get? What he wants, because right now the the English Republican uh, Constitutional Court, right? They they ruled that there need there would need to be a referendum for the Parliament to approve the agreement, and then and the but the administration is saying uh, no because this doesn't ref this 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 refers to an inter republic, not intra republic legal matter, and so you don't have jurisdiction, and so it's there's still they they have some time left to implement it technically. But it could go to the Russian Supreme Court or Constitutional Court, excuse me, and it's not doesn't seem quite resolved yet. But right now, n neither side seems to be sort of budging. So, do you think that 
Chichen is going to get this territory in the end? Because that's what Kadyrov wants, I assume, right? I, I mean, it, it, it really is a, a big question in terms of like how far up it'll go and how much noise it'll make in Moscow. And because if, if it just continues like this, if the if, if the, all it is is all the, the, the Republican authorities in Ingushetia say, yeah, well, this doesn't concern that. And Kadyrov's always saying, well, the law went into force on October 16th, so it's already done. And there, there, there can't be any appealing. Then, I mean, then it would come down to some... Then I, I feel like people would be out on the streets again. But, all, I mean, already the English are saying that, okay, we're going to... We need to bring this up higher than just in the Republic. And they're, they're planning to go to Moscow and set up protests there. So, I, I mean, it, it, the, the, the initial... The, the protesters did agree to, to, to shut down... Shut up, to shut up shop in the middle of October there at the end of the first two weeks where they were allowed to have the protest. And they came back for a few days and another uh, another um, three-day term from the 31st to the 2nd where they, they was allowed again. And now they're, they're, they're hoping to go back up, up to to Moscow and, and start some, some more efforts there. And I mean, I really, I, I really don't think that it's, it's just going to be that this thing will eventually fizzle out and that'll just be the end of it. I think that there's going to be some, definitely some more turmoil along the way. And I just I have a really hard time seeing how it's going to play out in the end because I feel like there's going to be another big popular wave here and the people won't just uh, sort of say okay like we, we went out there we protested and that that's it or like I guess we lost I I think at the very least I mean Yevkurov is really his, his reputation is really shot in Ingushetia now I mean all all the protests turned after a couple of days to just his. Um, retirement, and I, I remember saying to people there, like I thought, like uh, Yevkurov was. Uh, I, I thought before this, I thought he seemed like a fairly, you know, capable leader who seemed like he had sort of like at least, at least the best interests of Ingushetia in mind, despite like some corruption and other things. And pe- people were saying, yeah, we thought that too. Like, we we all we, we none of us expected this from him. And I mean, his the legitimate authority, uh, moral authority, is completely shot now. So I have a hard time seeing how he continues in the role of the head there. And I mean, I, I, I don't see why Moscow wouldn't just replace this guy either, especially given that like for, for much smaller events in Kabardino-Balkaria, three days of, of ethnic clashes there, they, they replaced the head there like uh, two months ago. And so is the is the biggest sort of conflict ahead the one between the English people and Yevkurov and the, the, the administration there? Or do you think there could be bloodshed if like Chechen bulldozers and security forces show up in territory that they now claim according to a new agreement and then there there's like a Narodny squad or whatever waiting there to you know stand in the way or something like is that is that within the realm of possibility I think so yeah I mean I I was actually as part of my, my journey there I, I had the chance to go through that disputed territory and the, I mean the, the the Chechens have already they're in the last phase of the sort of the initial expansion of the road in terms of they brought it already in on the English side all the way up to the the, the river, the Fortanga River, which they say is going to be the new border, and so they're 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 already in there. What's what what I am just uh, afraid of, especially what I really think could be a turning point here is if you get another one of these nighttime visits, and they're they're already doing the, where whenever these happen, and English social media just blows up, and there's calls for people to come and gather all there, and you're getting a couple hundred young men showing up there each time. With the sort of idea that if we we show up there in force, then they can't just like essentially drag, cart, cut, cuff this guy that they're coming to and drag him off to Chechnya. And I mean, all it's going to take all, all it's going to take in one of those things is for someone to lose their lose their nerve or someone to have an emotional miscalculation, and then things. And as I mean, as, as soon as bloodshed, I mean, especially with with the the, the way that Kadyrov is, that's where things could really spiral. So. 
I mean, every time one of these goes down, I mean, it's, it's actually interesting in that recent piece there, the, the Severinovsky one, he says, I think that he says that he thinks that those are done because uh, essentially they didn't, they didn't work for Kadyrov. But I mean, I'm quite sure that there's, if there's more, if there's more um, protests or opposition from the Ingush, that there's going to be more responses from Kadyrov. And I mean, as soon as blood gets shed, that's when things get really scary. And do you think Kadyrov has ever shown that he would, is he, is he the kind of person that if, if he actually is, if he encounters, you know, armed resistance or if, if there are serious consequences to these sort of schemes and stunts, is he the sort of person to back down finally in the end or is he not, unre is he not reasonable ever? Absolutely not. So is he just a loose cannon? He's just completely un unreasonable at all times or? I mean, it, it, I, it, I, I, I don't, I didn't really want to draw this conclusion in the end here, but it sure seems like that. And that he, he already said in terms of the, he said within a couple of days, he said, uh, the, the, uh, addressing the English, uh, he, he's get, again, I believe this is at the Chechen parliament, but he already said like, uh, yes, yeah, if, if you want to, what the exact words? Exact word. Like some something like you. If you wanna, if you want to come in and make a fight about it, like we are happy to come and fight about it. Like we're happy to go to war, literally. And, and I mean, my 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 English friends have commented on this a lot. One of them, one of them was saying to me, one of them who works in a human rights organization in, in Moscow, is saying like, how can a guy who lived through those two wars in Chechnya want a third one? But the idea is that yeah, Kadyrov, he he is willing. There, I don't I don't see really any way that. He's going to back down from this. I think he'll if the if he feels like he needs to send Kadyrov C in, and this was something I, I was like not expecting, but the, I I kept feeling like at the when I was at the protests themselves, like I, I'm kind of surprised that no Kadyrov C showed up there and tried to to do something about it, because I mean Kadyrov sent his guys into Ingushetia before, and he thinks they just have carte blanche there as well, and so I if if, if push comes to shove here, he'll he'll keep shoving. Do you think that the English have what it takes to, to shove back, or is it like a is it a futile effort here, and they're just being they're kind of like martyring themselves ultimately, or do you think they have the resources they could actually push back here effectively? I mean, I, th I think if it, if it comes down to that, to, to armed blows, I think that's when things are really going to spiral in terms of. I mean, English had a very active insurgency until a couple of years ago, and there's still there's. I mean, the, 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 there's there's so many arguments about like different types of Salafism, whether or not Salafism is, is violent or not. But uh, put it put it one way, from a, a Salafi guy who was uh, who, who I talked with a lot while I was in Yushadia, first off, he said like uh, he he was a student of like the top. Uh, the top um, Salafi preachers in Ingushetia, like Isa Tsechoyev and Hamza Chumakov, he, he, these, these were the, the guys he considered to be his, his guides. And he, he said, first off, he said, well, I haven't gone to any of the protests because I don't, and you know why? Because I don't recognize, I don't recognize Yevkurov, I don't recognize Putin, I don't recognize the Russian Federation. I, it doesn't mean anything to me. But then he, he said a little while after that too, like, what are what are these people doing at the protests? Like you're not going to get anything done that way. If you want to get something done, go 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 to the market, buy some guns, go 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 stand in your land in front of these guys. And I, I mean, this this is sort of the, the dangerous part of the, this cycle here too. And that Anguishetti is sort of at the, this this moment right now where it just not even in terms of this event, but over the uh, in terms of like the the trajectory of the past twenty years where it could sort of go either way. I think in terms of there there was a very active armed insurgency there. And it, it quieted down, and now things are like I think. I think up until this point, like things are honestly going like okay in Ingushetia. They're going pretty decently, 
And uh, now, but now at this point, I mean, if it comes to the point where you have all these effort, all these uh, examples of peaceful resistance, and they're not working, and even even worse, if they just if they result in like armed pushback, then you're going to get some really scary results in terms of yeah, people are there's going to be sort of like this um, there's going to be sort of like this open opposition to Kadyrov from the Ingush, open arm there could be open armed opposition, I think very easily. And then if that starts happening in, in Gushetia, I mean, the, the mood, the average mood among Chechens in in Chechnya to Kadyrov himself, I would say is not good either. I mean, it's it, Chechnya just always strikes me as like a, a, a time cooker. And so once once you hit that level where there, there's, there would be open armed conflict, I mean, this is all still really speculatory, but I, I think, it, think things, could, things could go a lot faster than anyone thinks. That's my interview with Neil Hauer, a security analyst focused on Russia, the North Caucasus, and Syria. For more of his insights into these regions, I encourage you to follow Neil on Twitter, and I'm including a hyperlink to his feed in the description of this episode. If you enjoyed this interview and would like to hear more like it, please consider contributing to this podcast on patreon.com backslash Kevin Rothrock, where contributions from listeners like you make this whole mess possible. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time. Говорят мы пяки-буки, как выносит нас земля. Дайте что ли карты в руки погадать на короля. Ой-ля-ля, ой-ля-ля, погадать на короля. Ой-ля-ля, ой-ля-ля, эй-па! Завтра дальняя дорога выпадает королю.